feel like sometimes life is really mental. Dude, that's actually a really good name for a podcast. <laughs> Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. I really genuinely believe that once you hit rock bottom is when you finally are like, okay, it's time to make a fucking change. I'm either going to fix this or I'm going to die. Hey everyone, welcome to Really Mental, a podcast where we want you to know no matter who you are or what you're going through, you aren't alone. If you could follow us or subscribe or leave a review, hopefully five stars, we'd really appreciate it. And feel free to let us know or message us what you're going through. We'd love to hear how you're going with your mental health. Today, we have an incredible guest. Her name is Andrea Russett. She's from America. She's a really big YouTuber, and now she's a musician making amazing songs. So she's making lots of great music and... Today, we're talking about how to heal your past. And one of the reasons why we're doing this topic today is because for the both of us, we really wish that someone had given us like a bit of a roadmap when it comes to leaving school and growing up. And so with this episode, I think we really covered some of the things that you have to face entering the big wide world, which is how to move on from relationships, things that don't go your way. I'm going to kick it off to Harry. When is the time that you've really had to work on moving on from the past? I think moving on from past relationships has definitely been the biggest thing and letting go of people just generally. I think that I've really struggled to just let people go that weren't right for me at the time. And in hindsight, realizing cutting them out was probably one of the best things I did for my own sanity. And I really learned that the biggest thing now for me is do what's right for you, not what you think is right for others, because you have to look after yourself first before you can look after others. Yeah. And I think that was a big thing from my past that I had to learn to heal was trying to let go of people in relationships. How have you found it in your life, Will? Yeah, I think that's really interesting to hear. I entered, you know, leaving high school with the expectation that I could reach a point where it was all ups, no downs. And that's sort of how I started my mental health journey. It's how I got into meditation and music, trying to find a place where everything was just going right. That isn't real life. Life comes with ups and downs. And with that, I've had to learn how to remove myself from people who maybe we don't think of each other. So why are we spending time together when like it obviously isn't important to the both of us? And I think the thing that sometimes scares me about like moving on is I don't want to like hurt people by like removing them from my life. But I always have that right to do it. And like, it's totally cool for myself or anyone listening to remove people that you think are toxic or don't help your higher like goal of where you want to be. So definitely in my journey to get specific, I've had people like really close friends and people I've worked with in the past I've had bad experiences where like I'll have someone like turn on me or speak behind my back. That's really hurtful. Now I'm super grateful for it though, because it's taught me like for me to be rock solid and to be confident, the true meaning of confidence is to be able to go through these trials and tribulations and move through them, realizing that whatever anyone 
says to you or anything that happens to you, it isn't coming because of you. It's because they're saying it because they're either jealous or it's a reflection of themselves and they're putting that on you. So just try to remember that not everything you hear is the truth. And that's something I'm, I'm really grateful for because now when people say things, I ask myself, do I consider that the truth? And sometimes I'll be like, nah, because some people just say things and maybe exaggerate things a lot. And so I'm like, nah, I don't believe that to be true. So I'm just going to keep doing my thing. What do you reckon, Harry? Yeah, I think that definitely you need to know your own worth and you can't at the end of the day, try and convince someone that you are worthy of them or they're worthy of you. They have to want to be friends with you and you have to want to be friends with them. And it has to be a mutual relationship. I think that's the big thing. There's this need to always be accepted and be wanted by people instead of just being yourself and people who vibe with you and want to be friends with you will come and want to be in a relationship will come. And I think that that is something that people need to realize is stop trying to impress other people and just start to be yourself. And that's a hard thing to do because naturally you want to be liked. I think that it's important just to also be yourself and don't try and change for others. Yeah. And I think along this path, what we're sort of alluding to is the fact that when you're trying to figure out what you want to do, the person you want to be, there's all of these distractions around you, especially for young kids. And that includes us. But sometimes I feel like we're both like 50 year olds at heart. But something we have to go through is removing the distractions. Sometimes your friends are going to want to party or like do all this stuff, but you have to figure out what you actually want to do. I hope it can give comfort the fact that the people we're talking to are people who have had lots of success. You could define them as people to look up to in their industries. They've done so well. They still go through this stuff. You know, no one's immune to this. And anyone who acts like they aren't going through it is doing it toughest um, because they're not talking about it. So it's awesome to have you here listening to this. I'm proud of you for being here. And uh, I just want you to ask yourself, do you want people to love who you are? And if the answer to that is yes, then you have to show them who you truly are. You can't show them and make them love a person that isn't actually you or is maybe a stretch of yourself. So something to think about. I'm going to welcome on Andrea and very excited for this. Hey. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to say... We have an Amazon AMP show every Sunday at 7 p.m. PT and 10 p.m. ET. Make sure you check your time zones to double check what time that is for you. We have special guests every week and similar to the podcast, we talk about topics around mental health and identity, but it's a live conversation. So we'd love you to be there so that you can tune in with us and we can hear from you live. Hope to see you there. This week, we have a super special guest. So we're excited for you to tune in. We have an amazing guest today and she started YouTube when she was 12. You've probably seen a lot of her videos. She was a radio host for a bit and now she's making incredible music and we're super excited to talk to her about her journey. So thank you for joining us, Andrea. That was quite the intro. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. He's obviously done his research. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. Damn. Done my research, prepared, excited for the chat. How are you feeling in terms of just your your vibe today. How are you doing? I'm feeling good. You know, I went to the beach earlier today, which is just, I feel like if you're ever feeling bad, go to the water, water heals. So I'm feeling good, feeling good today. That's awesome. Um, so what does your average week look like? Can you talk us through what you're, you're doing at the moment and working on and stuff? 
Average week. There is, I feel like there is no average week, especially like as someone that does internet and music stuff, because it's just, you know, you're just going with the flow, but an average week, I try to get into the studio at least three times a week and work on music and like that kind of stuff. And then I spend a lot of time painting, honestly. So during COVID, I built a music studio. So I have everything I need here to record because I was, you know, on lockdown. I'm also a hypochondriac. So I was like super paranoid and did not leave. So I had to have everything here. So I built a, a studio at home so I could sing and record. And then I also have a back room that I built out into a painting studio. So that takes up a lot of my time. So cool. Yeah, I love it. It's it's awesome. <laughs> what about painting do you enjoy? Honestly, with painting, my pa- so both my parents are very artistic. They're both painters. And so I grew up with like family art nights where we would all like after dinner, pull out the watercolors and paint together, like super artistic. And so when I paint, it just like reminds me of my family, it reminds me of home and gives me that like nostalgia. But I also, I'm just like, I come from a very creative family. And so I just love being creative. And I feel like singing is also a way of like lyrically writing out and like expressing yourself. And I found that with writing music, I could say things that I have like been too afraid to say yeah. in real life. Yeah. It's like, if, you're, if I'm singing it, it's not as personal. Exactly. <laughs> but, it is. but yeah, it's, it's just like an easier way to express things. Obviously, music is part of your career now. With painting, is it nice that you're not like trying to get a certain number of paintings done? Or are you? Is that becoming like a profession that you'd actually be down to do? So there was a time in my career where I was like, okay, I'm going to like really dive into painting and do gallery showings. And like, that's what I want to do with my career. And then for like three months straight, it was like, you have to get this many pieces done. And I felt so pressured and I hated it. And I started to hate painting. And I was like, I can't do this as a career because this is like my one safe hobby. This is like my little safe hobby that I love to do. And so I was like, you know what? Not happening. We're going to keep that just for me. And I find that when I'm not pressured, I want to paint even more. I've painted so much in the last two weeks. I've done like four different pieces. So it's better not to have the pressure for sure. If you could describe your energy in three words, what would you say? In three words. One of them would be understanding. I think I'm a very understanding person. I like to like put myself in other people's shoes and understand them. The other one would be shy, which is surprising for a lot of people. Yeah. I'm very shy in person, like over the internet and talking to a camera, I'm totally fine. But in in person, I'm very, very shy and I have a lot of social anxiety. And then the third one, creative, I guess. Can definitely lock in creative there. (laughs) Thank you. With that, I actually want to dive into your background because obviously you've had an incredible career so far. Can you talk to us about, you know, starting YouTube at 12 so we can get an idea how that has sort of shaped you today? Yeah. So when I started YouTube, it was like purely out of boredom just hanging out with my friends, uploading videos. Like I, nobody was making money. There was no such thing as AdSense. It was just not a thing. And then when I started doing that more and more and the views, well, it was really the Justin Bieber video, but we don't need to go into that. But when I started getting views and subscribers and I realized you could make money, I was like, this is really cool. I'll keep doing this. But it all kind of happened by accident, which is why it's 
sometimes frustrating because I have always been passionate about music and I wanted to always do music. But when you start in YouTube and everyone's like, oh my God, another YouTuber that wants to do music. That must be so tiring. Yeah. It's so annoying. But it's like, I didn't mean to be a YouTuber. It happened on accident, which not to say that I'm not grateful. I'm so grateful. Have enjoyed every moment and every opportunity that has been placed in front of me because of it. But it's not what I wanted as my career. And so it makes it hard to transition then because there is that stereotype of like, another fucking internet person going to music just because they think they can. Yeah, yeah. 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 How do you deal with that? Thankfully, my followers and subscribers are the best. And because I've just never been in one category and have always been doing different shit, they've gotten used to me always wanting to try new stuff. And I've kind of placed little seeds here and there over the years of like couple covers, little singing videos. And people have always been really supportive and really encouraging. And so when I finally said like, I'm doing this for real, people were so excited, which I mean, was the best reaction I could have asked for. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was because I was really, really worried about it, but people were so supportive. It just couldn't have gone better. Was there any moments where people weren't as supportive as you would have thought at the time? There were times not with fans or viewers, but with like, I've had meetings with labels where it's like, oh, you're like a YouTuber. And it's like, mm. That doesn't take away from like the talent. It's just so frustrating. And you think a lot of people are like, oh, well, of course you're going to get signed because you have followers and you just, people will listen to your music. And it's so the opposite. It's like, if you're, if you have ever uploaded a YouTube video and you're a YouTuber, labels want nothing to do with you. It's crazy, right? When in actual fact, I mean, especially now these days where you have to create so much content, I personally Mm -hmm. can appreciate your journey. And the actual work ethic you must have had to sustain that career. So like, it's crazy because you'd think that people would see it as like, oh, that means like they're probably going to work really hard on the music side of things as well. Because it takes so much to get big on anything, whether it's music or YouTube. Yeah. Was that ever frustrating where you were sort of just feeling a bit annoyed by that in the music industry? Or did you just keep going and keep your head up? I mean, there's been so many times where I've been like, is this even worth it? Like, the fuck am I doing? Because it is, it's so frustrating to put so much work into it and for it all just to be dismissed because previously I did YouTube. And it's also like, I've been doing YouTube since I was 12. You know what I mean? Like I'm 26 now. Like it's natural for people to grow and evolve and their interests change. It's like if you were in college and you switched degrees, like, of course, people grow and they find themselves more and they find their interests. And so for people to be so like, you can only be this one thing because that's where you started. It's so frustrating. And there's been a lot of times where I've been like, I'm never going to get out of this stupid box that I've been put in. And is it even worth it? But I love music. It's my genuine passion. And so I just stuck with it. And I've just keep telling myself that if I'm proud of what I've made and I enjoy it, that's all that matters. And if other people enjoy it and like to listen to it, that's just a bonus. I feel like that's the real process too, because as soon as you have something that's a worldwide success with music for anyone, suddenly it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they've been a musician. And yep. like, no one will even think about that part Yeah, as much anymore. So how do you keep that motivation to keep pushing forward, even when you do doubt yourself sometimes, like we all do? Honestly, 
a lot of the other people that have made the transition successfully give me a lot of motivation, like Troy Sivan, for example, and Sean Mendes, who started on Vine. There are a lot of people who started in the social media world who made that transition to mainstream music and are so successful. So it can be done. It just, you know, might take a little bit more time. And I also just keep telling myself that, like, trust the process when it's meant to happen, it'll happen. And hope for the best. <laughs> when you're at those low points of self-doubt, what's going through your brain and like, what are you feeling? What do you tend to do when you're feeling down? In LA, especially, I feel like it's really hard not to compare yourself to people. I mean, that's what this city is about, I feel like, which is why I've been looking at moving out. But when I'm in those moments, honestly, a lot of the time when I'm feeling super full of doubt and down on myself, I call my, my family <laughs> I call my mom. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, because she honestly is my number one fan and she always hypes me up and just knows what to say to like get me back feeling myself and feeling confident. And I'm just, I'm very thankful and lucky to have such a really, really great support system. Definitely. And over this process, because you've been, you know, doing it for around 14 years, which sounds crazy to say. Oh, I feel old. Because you're so young. How has that process been for finding the right people in your circle? It's been awful. It has been the worst. (laughs) No, it's, it's been pretty fucking bad. I moved out to LA a week after I turned 18. I mean, it was like I was 18 and I was like, bye, I'm out. And I moved out to LA not knowing anything. I had been to the city maybe one or two times prior. And... I definitely learned the hard way that there's a lot of people who want to be your friend because you can give them something or do something for them or because, you know, you can help their career. And it's, it has really sucked, but I feel like I, I'm okay with having like two friends (laughs) as long as I know they're good friends, you know? Yeah. Quality over quantity. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Harry and I live by too. Yeah, I agree with you. You guys are my new friends, okay? <laughs> so now we have four. And hey! <laughs> that's that's a party at, at that that's, amount. That's all we need. <laughs> exactly. When you say the hard way, what do you mean by that, the hard way? I mean, I'm generally a little bit too trusting and I just want to see the good in people to a fault. I mean, I made a video about this. It's public, so I don't feel bad talking about it. But I had a a girl that was my best friend for four years. And then um, I came out to her as bisexual. And she was like, you're going to hell. And I can't be your friend. Left the house we were moving in, which I had been paying rent for. She never paid. And moved back to Chicago. Never heard from her again. Ever. Ever. Never. Never. To this day, I've never heard from her. And so it's just crazy that like, I mean, I considered her family. You know what I mean? Like it's. It's just such a crazy city out here where it's like you just you don't know people. So that was definitely a learning experience for me and just a little more cautious these days. (laughs) Of course, of course. I have so many questions from that. My first thing is more of a statement. How crazy is that when that happens and you like just don't speak again? In my mind, when I think of that for my relationships, I'm just like, Mm -hmm. it's so weird how you can go from being so close to just one day, nothing. And to think that you probably won't ever, unless it's a simulation, statistically, (laughs) you won't ever 
cross paths again after yeah. all those experiences. It's crazy. It really is insane. That scares me. I know, me too. <laughs> that really freaks me out, not going to lie. How do you process that whole experience? Because obviously that's something that means so much to you as 21. Yeah. It's your identity. Like that's part yeah. of who you are, your sexuality. How do you process those feelings? Oh man, it was really hard to process in the beginning. Thank God I had other friends around me to lift me up and support me and, you know, tell me like, you're, you're not in the wrong here. You did nothing wrong and who you are is not wrong. But I did grow up in a private Catholic school environment. Like from every single time I was in school, it was a private Catholic school until the day I dropped out of high school. And that was really confusing and hard for me knowing that I was bisexual. I mean, I knew when I was in third grade that I was not straight, but I didn't know what bisexual was. I just thought you were either gay or straight. So I was like, I like boys, but I also want to kiss that girl. (laughs) Yeah. So it was super confusing. And so I always had so much anxiety about expressing that to anyone because I didn't think anyone would understand. But when I moved to Los Angeles and met so many people of different walks of life, and like different sexualities. And I finally learned that bisexual was a thing. I was like, oh my God, that's me. And I finally started to understand myself better. And so I finally felt comfortable coming out to people. And of course I came out to my best friend, went terribly. But thankfully through that horrible experience, I was kind of forced into coming out to my other friends and my family through that. And although it wasn't an ideal situation, it worked out beautifully because I finally was able to come out. Everyone was so accepting. My parents were so beyond loving and accepting and just couldn't have gone better. So silver lining, it was a, it was a horrible experience, but at least I got that from it. (laughs) How did it make you feel the way that your best friend at the time reacted? It made me feel how I felt when I was in high school and I was in like religion class and I was being taught like, well, you know, gay people go to hell. It was like, I just felt like I was right back there with like sitting there in class thinking like, I am a gay people. (laughs) Like it was just, it, it made me feel like who I was as a person was wrong. And like, there was something wrong with me and it's just so not the case. Yeah. I'm just very lucky to have people around me that were able to pull me out of that because if you don't, it's very easy to slip into that mindset of like, there's something wrong with me. And because of the way I think and because of the people I love, I'm like a sin. The conversation that I had with my parents around it being a choice is what really helped them understand. And so I think that's really important for people to understand that it's not a choice. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can tell you, I mean, I'm bisexual. It's not a choice. Like, yeah. And I think for a lot of people who are closeted and end up taking their own lives, it's such an insult to say it's a choice because if it was, why wouldn't they just choose not to be gay? And it's, yeah. it's yeah. just so, it's so dismissive and irresponsible to say, because there are people that are suffering and closeted and don't feel like they can be themselves because of these theories, you know? See, I think it's just like, we all want the same thing to be loved. Yep. And I'm glad we're having this chat because I think it's so important, especially now, just to appreciate the fact that we still have so much work to go. Like, and we've seen that in the last year. And so it's important to have these discussions because this is happening and like people need to understand and accept. Mm. Yeah. And I just think it's crazy that people would say, oh no, you can't love that person, but I can love this type of person. 
which by society is the correct way, or maybe to some religions is the correct way. It's so outdated. I just don't get the way of thinking where it's like, I get to love who I want as long as it's the opposite sex, but you, you can't. (laughs) It's like, what? Do you think there's been progress in that sense? And like people are more open to it? I think there's definitely been progress. I mean, there's been a ton of progress, but I still think there's so much work to be done. And I definitely live in a bubble of Los Angeles where it's very accepting. But there are times when I travel and I visit home, even to my small town, and it's like, oh, I don't belong here. (laughs) Like, I'm not safe here. I'm in danger. (laughs) Yeah, no. So there's a lot of work to be done, but we have made a lot of progress. So with the subject today, we're talking about how do you heal and move on and take your power back. We've spoken about a couple of obviously formative things that have happened to you. If you could summarize that into just a few habits that you've developed to like really ground yourself in and work on your self-love, what would those be? I think the most impactful and productive habit that I've forced myself to get into over the last year and a half with COVID and with all the shit going on and with all the shit I went through before that even is to be really honest with yourself Like you really need to just, it's so crazy because it sounds so simple, but a lot of people just aren't able to be genuinely honest with themselves where you look in the mirror and say, all right, this is not working. Like this, this habit of mine is it's toxic. It's not healthy. And it's only doing me damage. Like I'm doing this too much, or I'm, I was the bad guy in this situation, take ownership and think about what you could have done better. I've learned that like reflecting like that has helped me grow and learn so much about myself, like so much. How do you get to that place of awareness to be actually aware? Because I know some people aren't even able to identify those things. What really snapped me into being self-aware is at the beginning of COVID, when everything was on lockdown, I went through a horrible breakup, traumatic. And I had attempted to take my own life. I was super depressed. I had an addiction issue. It was like the lowest point of my life ever. And it was like, I really genuinely believe that once you hit rock bottom is when you finally are like, okay, it's time to make a fucking change. I'm either going to fix this or I'm going to die. Like I had that mentality. And so I'm so thankful that I chose to put the work in and fix it and take a look in the mirror and finally accept the fact that I needed to work on myself and do better. I'm so sorry I had to go through that. Sounds like you've had a really... Yeah, I'm sorry. Crazy couple of years. (laughs) You know, we're still here. We're kicking. (laughs) Are you in a space now? Because having been in similar space myself before, how are you seeing it now? Are you able to take the positives out of it or are you still processing it as it would be understandable to do? I think that for the rest of my life, I'll always be processing and healing from that experience. But Thankfully, from that, I think that I'm able to appreciate the things that I took for granted prior, like little things. I found that since then, I appreciate just small little things so much more, things that I took for granted and that I thought meant nothing because I was just in this mindset of like, everything is awful, everything sucks, the world is out to get me. And now I look around, I'm like, oh my God, a butterfly. (laughs) The sun is shining. Yes, birds are chirping. Yeah, exactly. You just appreciate things in such a different way. And I also think about how I constantly remind myself of all the memories that I've experienced since then and how I would have not 
been here to experience those things. And it just reminds me, like, think about all the memories I'm going to make in the future. And I need to stay here and be here for those memories. Yeah. Tell me if you don't want to as well. I would love to delve into this time of the breakup. Mm -hmm. When you say a horrible breakup, like what was going on and how did you feel throughout the time? It was a really toxic relationship. And I was, I was just in such a bad place. And because of the way the relationship was, and it was so unhealthy, it just kind of like threw me deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I was super deep into an addiction issue because I couldn't handle the reality of it. It was like the kind of thing where when it finally ended, I had to do like one of those pitiful calls to my mom and dad and be like, I need help. <laughs> and uh, thank God my mom and dad are so supportive, but it was, it was like a long time coming, you know, it's like when you you're in denial and you're like, it's no, 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 but it's so fine. Yeah. We just need to fix this one thing. And once we fix this, everything will be great. And then once I finally snapped out of it and hit reality, it was like, what the fuck am I doing? And it hits you like a brick wall too. Oh my God. It hit you like a goddamn brick wall. <laughs> it's crazy. What made it toxic? Just like for the people listening, what were some of the things, if you're willing to go into it? Of course. Yeah, no, it was really like codependent. It was very like, I needed reassurance and I made that clear and it was just never given. And instead it was like weaponized where it would be like, I know you need reassurance, so I'm going to make you even more insecure so that I'm constantly in the upper hand position. I feel like I ignored a lot of major, huge red flags flying high directly in front of my face. It would be like things where he would go out of town for work. And then all of a sudden, instead of work, he was on a party bus with all girls going to Vegas mm. who are all like in bikinis. And he's like, oh no, it's work. It's work. I'm like, what the fuck is that? What are you, a club promoter? Exactly. <laughs> now I'm yeah, racist. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was like things like that. And it's like when you're, when you're naive, like I was very naive and I was like, oh, well, he said it's work. So it must be work. But it's like people like that take advantage of people that are naive or don't not naive or just optimistic, maybe. <laughs> but trusting, yeah, I don't know. trusting. Yeah, trusting, trusting, trusting for sure. Trusting is the right word. Yeah. And so stuff like that, where it would just be like, now I look back and I'm like, Andrea, bitch, of course, this is not OK. Like, come on. <laughs> How do you look at relationships now? Are you excited to get back in a relationship or are you like? No way. I mean, I, after, after my last previous breakup, I was like, I am literally never falling in love again. I'm never getting into a relationship again. Love is dead. Love is not real. And everyone sucks, but I am currently in a relationship. And I honestly feel like it's the healthiest relationship I've been in. I feel like going through bad relationships as much as it sucks and it's awful. It is you, you kind of have to look at it as a learning experience and take lessons from it, which I feel like I kind of forced myself to do, thankfully. And I learned a lot, which has led me to be able to now be in a much healthier relationship where I feel way more secure and just like, it's such a different kind of love, you know? What tips do you have for us if we're both stuck in that space of like not wanting to commit? Do you have any wisdom you can impart? I would tell you to get to a place where you're comfortable enough with yourself, where if somebody that you're interested in does something where you feel rejected or feel left or feel 
insulted that you're okay, that you're secure enough in yourself to know that like, it's nothing to, it's nothing to do with me. It's something to do with them because it never, it's never about you. It never is. It's always projection. Reality check. Hey, I love the big sister energy. I'm so like, (laughs) (laughs) Harry, if you're open to sharing, would you be able to share a bit about what you've been going through as well? Maybe I see some similarities just with the journeys with one of your relationships. The biggest thing is about communication. And that was something that was really hard for me in my relationship with my ex-girlfriend. Like you lacked communication? Oh, I was good at communication. She wasn't good at communication. I was quite good at being like open about my feelings and stuff. But we both have things we have to work on. I really struggle with trusting. I'm kind of like the opposite to you. I always think the worst to try and like protect myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's also from being burnt in the past. There was a large amount of codependency because it was during COVID as well. Yeah. The relationship started, so we were constantly with each other. Um, I think having what I came out from that and learned was that having time by yourself and separate to your partner is very important because you actually get to learn to miss them. If you can't learn to miss them, you won't know what that feels like and you won't. You'll just become friends. You know what I mean? And like, that's fine. But like when you're in a romantic relationship, there's a buildup of resentment. Oh my God. Resentment for sure. That was a big thing that I experienced in my relationship where we just weren't necessarily on the same paths. Yeah. But that was like a big thing. It's still hard now though, because you spent so much of your time with one person for so long that you just always still miss them. It's really hard. It's more of like breaking a habit. I've learned that yeah. like it's mm. it's it's really the habit you have to break. It's less about the person. It's about the physical actions and the the breaking the habit of doing those things with anyone. Yeah, my biggest issue is being afraid of them moving on and then me being lonely. Yeah. That's where it becomes for me. That's where like it really hits hard yeah. and that's a separate issue aside from them. They have, you know what I mean? That's yeah. the thing that I internally that I have to deal with and I have yeah. been dealing with, with my therapist. It's been challenging that feeling of being lonely and feeling lonely. Cause you might have all these people around yeah. you, but you still kind of feel lonely. Yeah. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've like really, really learned that the hard way over the last like three years, I was in a relationship probably three years ago. That was very much like just filling the space because I was lonely and like, it was like a big friend group and it was a whole thing. And then once that ended and I had no one around me, it forced me to sit with myself. And I realized that like being alone is better than being surrounded by people just to be surrounded by people. Yeah. Like once you, once you learn to really be with yourself and appreciate yourself and get to know yourself, you won't feel that loneliness, like fill your time with things that make you happy, but specifically just you. Like, that's why I took up painting. It just fills my time with something that makes me feel like I'm creating and I'm doing something that makes me happy and makes me feel like me. And then when I meet someone else, it's just like a bonus. Yeah. How did you get to that place? Because loneliness is probably the biggest thing that I struggle with. It took a while. I remember there was like three months straight where I would just call my mom and be like, I'm just so fucking lonely. I used to tell her loneliness is the worst emotion out of them all. Nothing is worse than feeling lonely because it's just like you just feel so alone. And it really just took time and getting to know myself and forcing myself to sit at home, read a book, 
paint something or even forcing myself to call friends and like have genuine conversations, Mm. like not about like, Oh my God, did you hear this? Blah, blah, blah. Like, Hey, I'm feeling lonely. Can you be here for me? Like real conversations. And some people weren't able to get deep and they're not in my life anymore. And some people were there for me and they are in my life. Resonate with that. Yeah. When it comes to the sitting with yourself and being comfortable by yourself, like how have you been able to do that? Cause I can't, as you said, like calling friends and stuff like that. I, I will yeah. always do that. I'll always be on a FaceTime call, always have someone around me. I can't really hang out by myself, just sit there by myself. Yeah. How do you get to a place for even those listening and myself to just be able to sit there and be comfortable by yourself without doing anything? It gets easier with practice. So in the very beginning of COVID, I was in a relationship that ended. And so I was forced to sit with myself. And in the beginning of COVID, when that ended, I was in virtual AA classes. Like I was trying so hard not to distract myself with any substances and just like sit with myself. And in the beginning, it was so hard. I was constantly on FaceTime with friends or my family. And then every day it gets a little easier. You find things that occupy your time that you genuinely want to be doing for you, that you enjoy and just you. And also it's like, you have to, you, you do have to put the work in, like you have to make the conscious decision that like, I am going to sit with myself today. I'm not going to reach out to people to distract myself and I'm going to do something for me. And I'm not going to do, I'm not going to post about it. That was the other thing I had to work on. I deleted yeah. everything off. I had to delete every app off my phone for a week and just paint. And I was like, I'm going to paint because I want to paint and not because I want to post about it. (laughs) Being a driven person, was that tough to go through? It was horrible. (laughs) The first couple days, it was a nightmare because you also are like, am I missing out on something? Are people, what are people saying about me? What are people saying to me? And especially being on the internet for 10 years now, it's all I've known since I was literally 12. And so to like not be doing that for a week straight was like so foreign to me, but so healthy. As someone who's reached like the top of what you'd consider success in that industry, what takeaways did you have? Like when you were there, were you like, okay, I feel grateful. I feel happy. Or was it sort of unfulfilling? It's never enough. Like you always want more, no matter, I could put up a video and get a million views overnight and still feel like, well, I didn't get 2 million. You get a bit numb to it. And what makes it worse is there's also people behind you, like whatever agency or team you're with are also going to be like, well, let's strive for more. Let's get more, more, more. It's just never enough. And it's exhausting. (laughs) So do you find that tough with music now? I think that because I've done all the other shit for so many years that now that I'm doing music, I don't put so much pressure on myself about streams or plays or tickets or whatever, which was really hard in the beginning. When I put out my first song, I was very like, if I don't hit this many streams in this many days, my song isn't good. But I've come to learn that if I'm proud of what I made and I enjoy it, it's all that matters. And like I said, if other people enjoy it, it's just a bonus. Definitely. Was there ever a time that you wanted to quit music? Yes. Every other day, basically, because it's hard when you're in LA and you see people in your industry or people your age or younger doing huge things and things that you want to accomplish. But you just literally every day have to remind yourself that like other people's success does not take away from the success that's waiting for you. 
everything will happen in the right time. I really believe that like everybody's on their own journey. And if we all succeeded at the same time, it wouldn't be success. It would just be everybody doing the same shit. So to each their own, I wish everybody joy and success, but I am patiently waiting for my turn. (laughs) Love that. And to start looking towards the future, what does a great 12 months look like for you? What are you working towards? I think the biggest thing that I'm working towards that will always be top priority is just always trying to be the best version of myself. And I put that on the back burner for a lot of years when I didn't think it was a priority and it led to my rock bottom. Um, So that I think is priority for 12 months. If I could just always be putting my best foot forward and stay positive and continue to work on myself would be a great 12 months. But as far as career goes, I'm hoping to put out an EP and go on a real tour when COVID is gone and dead. And yeah, just, I'm just excited to like go do shows because I've never gotten that chance because COVID started right when I dropped my first song. So we'll see. Cool. Sounds like an exciting next 12 months for you. I hope so. I hope so. I feel like this this podcast, we should do this again in a year. I feel like it'd be really awesome to see the growth. We should. Yes. Mark your calendars. And from your mental health, like what in that area of mental health do you want to work on? I think the biggest thing that I want to work on and that I've been continuing to work on is to be vocal about my healing and be honest and vulnerable when I need help and to reach out when I need help. Because the biggest thing that I struggled with was keeping it to myself and feeling weak and feeling like I was a burden. If I did reach out or let anybody know that I was struggling, you're never a burden when you reach out for help. And I wish I would have known that. And so every day I will continue to try to heal loudly. It's a great tattoo, by the way. That's great. Yeah. Thanks. And if for everyone listening, if they were to stream one of your songs, which one would you want them to go and listen to? I would tell them to listen to Freezing. It's my favorite song I've ever put out until the next one. It's going to be my new favorite, but Freezing is my favorite. It's a, it's a great fuck you breakup anthem. I wrote it in 10 minutes after I learned some bullshit that my ex was saying about me. So I was like, fuck you. And I wrote it and it's amazing. <laughs> add, that, add that to your playlist, everyone. Add it. <laughs> is it a sad, is it a sad right. vibe? Is it road trip? What playlist should I add it to? I would add it. I have a, I have a playlist. I would, I would add it to the fuck you playlist, the angry playlist. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. And I really appreciate it. Of course. It's been such an amazing chat. One of the favorite things about it was probably just like, how candid you were about your journey. And I feel like I have some, tips and stuff myself that I can uh, work on for the future. Yeah. So I, I know that other people will as well, if I've felt that. So thank you for your time and your wisdom. That makes me so happy. Yeah. Of thank course. You. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Seriously. I love doing these things and it just always encourages me more like hearing what you just said to continue to speak publicly about those things. And you guys should too, because you just never know who might need to hear that specifically and who you might help. So I hope anyone listening can, you know, everybody should just be vocal and heal loudly. (laughs) Exactly. Cool. Well, that was an incredible conversation with Andrea. And I think the biggest thing, Harry, that I took out of that was it's pretty crazy to me how 
in society, we don't really let people in the entertainment industry, in the spotlight, change what they do. You think about all the people that you know changing university degrees, college degrees, changing jobs. But when it comes to, as you heard, Andrea, growing as a person in the industry, I just found it really interesting that she struggled, really struggled to move between being a host, an actress, and now a musician. I get it. I just also think that it it was tough to hear her talking about, you know, the times when she was thinking about quitting because of it. And I wanted to make a point about this. I think it's important if you have a vision, make sure you see it through the way Andrea has seen it through. There will be a time when it connects, where your parents understand, where your friends understand. Sometimes you just have to follow through and push through those points when people are like, what are you doing? And I'm sure, you know, based on the conversation we had with her, it sounded like, you know, those were some of the thoughts she was having. If you can, through those situations, stay true to yourself, follow your heart, it will work out okay. What do you reckon, Harry? Yeah, I think that it's really important to like, just do your own thing and trust in the process. I think my biggest takeaway was surround yourself with the right people in your inner circle because Mm. that will really help with having that support network and actually like dealing with those situations that you were just saying before where people aren't necessarily being as acceptive of you changing and of you doing all these different things. I think having that really important inner circle is like very key to success because it'll allow you to have that non-judgmental space and people that are always believing in you, sometimes even more than you believe in yourself. And I think that's really important to have. And leaving those toxic people behind who aren't good for your higher self is really important. And being able to identify that is the hardest part. But I think that's the start to something great. Definitely. And of course, with this episode, we mentioned some sensitive topics. So we do encourage you to get professional help if if this conversation evoked any feelings within you that you feel like you need to talk to someone about. We're really excited for who we're talking to next week. And again, think it's going to be an incredible episode for us all to learn because honestly, we're learning with you beautiful people. Thank you for all of your love. Make sure you share, subscribe, and follow us on socials at It's Really Mental Podcast. And make sure you send this to a friend. We made this podcast because we think it could help someone. It would really appreciate it if you could send it to your bestie. All right, see you next week. Love you. Bye. Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. I just want to end this episode today, Will, by like talking directly to the audience saying like, if you guys are struggling, Will and I aren't like professionals in this field. We're just telling our experiences through stories and kind of just sharing what we've been through. But if you are really struggling, we do highly suggest going to see a therapist and professional help because they will be the ones that can really help you in your situation. Yeah, of course, feel free to share your stories with us and DM us. We want to know what you're going through, but make sure you take the time to speak to a professional because that's going to give you the most help. That said, we hope that these stories and the people we've spoken to can really help you on your journey to finding that right person, whether it's a therapist or that friend to talk to about it. Make sure you take the time to do that.